What a fascinating sicha. What is the essence of Golos? What is the essence of a Yid? See how a Rashi sicha leads us to understand what is the ultimate true essence of Golos. Of course, the answer is the Geula, but see how we get there. Beautiful. In Pasik the end of Parshas Miketz, when the brothers of Yosef have left Mitzrayim with Binyamin, and the silver goblet belonging to Yosef was hidden amongst their belongings, and Yosef's messenger chases after them and catches up to them and accuses them of taking the goblet, they say, Khalila Lecha, Khalila, that we to, to your Khalila uh, uh, that we would do such a thing. So Rashi brings two commentaries on the words Khalila. Number one, Khulin Hulanu, this is Khulin, this is mundane. This is something that is Lashin Ginai. Rashi explains Khulin, the fact that it's mundane, that it's unholy, means to say that it would be a disgrace. They're saying this is not something that we would do. The Targum Unkulu says Chas La'avadecha, Chas as in mercy or pity. Hashem should have mercy upon us, pity upon us, from doing such a thing. And many times in the Gemara we find the term which means literally means peace, uh, uh, mercy and peace, which is used as, as an expression for heaven forbid. This is something that God Almighty would have mercy on us and stop us from doing such a thing. So Rashi brings two pirushim. Chalila, either chulinulanu, this would be something that is unseemly to us. It would be a disgrace for us. Another chas lavadecha. Rashi points out that this term chas v'sholem is in the Gemara many times. If I'm not mistaken, it's in the Gemara at least 30 times throughout Shas. Now, freed in Parshas Vayera, earlier on in Parshas Vayera, when Avram is arguing with Hashem with regards to destroying the city of Zdoim, and he says, would you destroy a tzaddik, a righteous person, with the wicked people? It would be chalila for you to do such a thing. When Rashi is dart mefarish diverter chalila lecha, and over there Rashi translates the words chalila lecha, chulin hulach, this would be chulin, mundane to you, unseemly. People will say this is Hashem's common practice that he kills a tzaddik with a rush. So we actually have two places in the Torah where the term chalila is used. In Parsas Vayera, Rashi just says chulinu lecha. Here Rashi says chulinu lecha and adds the words lashin gnai that it is chulin in this case is a, a term of disgrace. And Rashi adds a second pirush chas. That this is something that is heaven forbid. That from first dates, we have to understand both of these points. Number one, why does Rashi in Parshas Vayera suffice with saying this is an expression of mundaneness and does not add anything. And here he adds that this is an expression of a disgrace. 
If the word chulin requires explanation, Rashi should have explained it the first time the word chalila is used. And Rashi explains chulin, that chalila comes from the term chulin, which means mundane or devoid of holiness. Beis Nachmer. And then we have the second question. Rashi is that not only does Rashi add the words that this is an expression of disgrace to the first uh, explanation that he gives, which is the word chulin, but Rashi introduces an entirely new and second explanation. The Targum says chas. Why in Parshas Vayera does the first and over there the only explanation, Chulinulach, that Chalila comes from the term Chulin, something that is mundane and unseemly? Why over there does that Pirush suffice? Undois does not speak. And here in our Parsha, Parshas Mikates, the, the explanation Chulin does not suffice, not only Chulin and with the words Genai, but also the entire thing is not enough. Umedarf Ankumun Svasaitan Pirush, and we have to. Uh, bring on another explanation that Cholila comes from the word Chas. So these are the two questions that we have in Rashi. Number one, why does Rashi have to add the word Lashon Gnai and not just leave it with Cholinulach? And number two, why does Rashi introduce a second Pirush that Cholila comes from the word Chas, from the words pity? There be here in them, and here is the explanation. And often in Rashi Sikhis, uh, it takes a few Isis, a few Seifim to introduce the questions, and then the uh, uh, Bulk of the Sikha uh, is the answer or the answers to the questions. Here, right away in Siv Beis, the Rebbe is right away going to answer the question and then lead us to the lessons that could be learned f- from the answers. There beer in them. So here's the beer. In Parshas Vayeda is a Lashon Chalila Gezakivan and Klape de Meverstein. In Parshas Vayeda, Avram Avinu is speaking to Hashem. When he says Chalila Lecha, he's saying Chalila to you to Hashem. Vas Ba'im is Klal Nid Shaykh Deinu for Chulim V'chayl. By Hashem, the concept of mundaneness is 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 not applicable. To therefore to say that I would be, I'm surprised that you would do such a thing, it's enough to say because it's mundane. And with that alone, it makes it clear that this is entirely out of the question for the Ebishter. The Ebishter is the epitome of Kedusha, of holiness. Something that is chulin, that is mundane, that is not holy, is obviously out of the question for the Ebishter. So when you say chulin ulach to the Ebishter, that the, 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 the Ebishter, this is mundane, that tells you the whole, everything that you need to know. This is something that is out of the question. So Avram says chalil this is mundane. It's clear that this is something that is totally out of the question to the Ebishter. There's no reason to add anything to that. In unser parsha, however, in our parsha, where we're talking to people who are engaged in mundane matters. Just to say to these people that this is mundane is not enough to uproot the idea that they would do something like this to steal the silver goblet. Because what is so terrible about human beings doing something that is mundane? That's, that's what we do six days a week. It's called, it's called the weekday because we're involved in mundane matters. 
So the fact that a person does something that's chulin doesn't emphasize that this is out of the question. That even muzdor Rashi makes of Zayin as chulin ulanu is lashon kinai. Therefore, Rashi has to add the words that here that chulin over here is a term of disgrace. Is nit bagrenet zum teichin from vachedikait because here chulin doesn't just mean that it's mundane. No, it says eicha lashon vas patzeichin that idach is megune. It's a, it's a, an expression that 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 symbolizes that this is something that is disgraceful. Ube meila apgefrak and therefore it's out of the question. When you're talking to a regular person, you can't say, oh, this is mundane. So what? No, 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 this is a disgrace. Ah, it's a disgrace. Then clearly this is something I, I, I wouldn't have done. So already the key of the answer is that it depends who you're talking to. In, in Vayeda, he's talking to the Eibishter, and therefore the word chulin, mundane, is enough to take it out of the picture. Here we're talking to human beings, and therefore, or about human beings, and therefore, it's not enough to say that it's mundane. We have to clarify that mundane here means disgraceful. So that explains why Rashi has to add the words Lashon Kinai. Why does Rashi have to add another Pshat? So in Sif Gimel, the Rebbe is going to explain that there's something missing, problematic with this explanation. But their Pirush is nitglatik. This Pirush is somewhat problematic. Well, then is shaykh sazagan as khulinulanu is a lashing nai. When can you say that something that is mundane is 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 disgraceful? When Sidatsikh Vaganazamench, Vasmitsaza Maile the Khashivus, Hatalagamri Nitsutomadanyanikhil. If you're talking about the type of person that, that is on such an elite status that he is far removed from mundane matters. Und river when Erbat Sekh and Agvisa Zakas Khulin, so if he uh uh um attributes a certain thing to be mundane is this Allah Shengnai, then it's disgraceful. Baim is the Zach because since he's on such a high level and this is mundane, so automatically it becomes a disgrace to him. And as the Rebbe points out in Seiv Gimel, Yosef himself uses this term at the end of the parsha. this is mundane to me uh, to have done this. Because since Yosef was an Adam Chasham, Yosef was an important person, anything that is chulin is automatically a disgrace. The other Rabbi, the Rabbi now adds back into the Pneum of the Sicha, uh, quite the contrary. Midem Loshen is a dizach sheilel noch merviduch abefedish in Loshen Gnai. When using the term chalila, this would negate this even more than a more clear expression of disgrace. When a person is important and you say Khalila, you're saying that something that is mundane is as out of the question as something that is truly abhorrent, such as such as stealing. You're emphasizing the, the, the loftiness of the person. So automatically anything that is not 100% holy is out of the question. It, it, it raises the stature of the person by comparing something that is mundane and something that is disgraceful. So it, it's, it's, it, it raises the stature of the person by using the term Khalilah. Here the Shvatim have to negate the, the, the claim that they were capable of stealing. Now it's difficult to say 
that they were trying to negate it by saying, this is mundane to us. Thus is, this is, in a sense, and this is a quote from the Gemara, you're trying to learn something that is clearly in a brisa from something that is not in a brisa. Over there in the Gemara, the Gemara is asking if you're allowed to, if you're allowed to eat the, uh, the, the fruit that you hung up in the sukkah as noy sukkah. Someone used fruit as to decorate the sukkah. So now they became part of the mitzvah. So the question is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Gemara over there asks if you're allowed to count. Uh, no, no, this is true. So the Gemara is asking, um, are you allowed to eat the fruit that, that is, was used for noy sukkah because it became part of a mitzvah. So the Gemara says that we have a, 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 a teaching of Rav Asi that you're not allowed to count money uh, by the by, count your money by the lights of the menorah because you're not allowed to benefit from the lights of the menorah. So if you can't count the money by the lights of the menorah, then certainly you can't eat the fruit that um, that uh, were hanging in the sukkah. So the Gemara says you can't make the comparison because the prohibition of of uh, 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 of uh, of the, the, the prohibition of using the sukkah, uh, the, the mitzvah of the sukkah to having benefit from that, that is a b'raisa. And the prohibition of, ka, of, of using the nadis Hanukkah is not a b'raisa. It's only a teaching of Ravasi. So the Gemara says, Tali tanya tanya. You're trying to learn something that is in a b'raisa, the prohibition of, in, of, of enjoying this, uh, things, of uh, taking benefit from the sukkah from something of nadis Hanukkah that's not even a b'raisa. So you can't learn something that is stronger from something that is weaker. Here, you're trying to do the same thing. You're trying to learn something that is stronger from something that is weaker. As Geneva is baze mufrich, valafilu chulun baze adavar meguna. Geneva is stealing. Chulin is not prohibited. It's just, it's just beneath them. It's just unseemly. So how can you really prove uh, to someone to say that I'm not shayach to Geneva because you say it's chulin? Even chulin is not is, is not such a, 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 a out of the question thing. Especially since who are they trying to convince? Someone who's not even Jewish. Yesus messenger. And someone that is from Mitzrayim, which was by definition a place of immorality. Which person who comes from such a place, certainly mundane matters are not a disgrace. So, so when you're talking about a person who is not on such a high level, that chulin are so far removed from them, and you're talking to a person that is not going to get the differentiation, the distinction. So to say chulin hulanu, that chalila means chulin, is very difficult. Because how you can convince that person that you're not capable of doing such a thing just by saying that it's chulin, even if you add the word that it's g'nai. So because of that, it would have been more appropriate, more befitting to try to express how much Stealing is out of the question. Not by saying chalila, which means chulin. Use a different expression that more clearly expresses the disgrace of such an act. Therefore, she brings a second pirush that chalila doesn't mean chulin. It doesn't mean that it's that it's mundane. 
But it means, Hashem should have mercy on us. Heaven forbid. Hashem should stop us. Not only he should stop us, but he should have mercy upon us. And not allow us that we should even inadvertently succumb to the sin of stealing. So now it has a totally different meaning. That is much more fitting to the people involved in this conversation. It doesn't mean chulin, which doesn't really make the point strong enough. It means chas. The only question remains, in that case, why does Rashi put chulin ulanu first and chas second? So the Rebbe explains, We don't find anywhere in Tanakh that the word chalila should mean chas, should mean pity. Or mercy. So first of all, Rashi has to clarify and say that in the Gemara we do find it. So it's not like Rashi is making it up, but Rashi is actually referring to the Gemara where this is brought uh, on numerous occasions. And this is why Rashi brings it as the second Explanation when the Pirish Harishan Vaikri is as Khalila mit Khulunulanu, and the first and primary explanation is that Khalila means Khulim, because that at least has a source in Tayrish Shabik Sav, where there are other places where the word Khalila means Khulin mundane. So this concludes the question and uh, questions and the answers on Nashi. Asked and answered, as the expression goes. Number one, why does Rashi add the word Lashon Gnai? Because since we're not talking to the Ebishter, Chulin by itself, mundane by itself, doesn't call it out of the out, 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 doesn't call it out of the question, and therefore has to say when I say Chulin, I mean something that's a disgrace. But nevertheless, and but and then on top of that, because we're talking to people, human beings, and we're talking to a goy from Mitzrayim, uh, who even even Chulin Lashon Gnai does not necessarily suffi- does not necessarily suffice. To call this out of the question, therefore, Rashi adds the word chas, but, Rashi adds the explanation chas, but nevertheless, since, since there's no uh, source in Torah, in Tanakh rather, for chulin, meaning, meaning chas, Rashi brings us as the second pirush. Sivdala deira from the pirush, from the pirush Rashi, the lesson, the takeaway. So first of all, the Rebbe is going to explain that even though we're talking about the Shvatim and not the Avais, nevertheless, since all the Shvatim joined together in this, in this expression, there has to be a lesson to everyone. The Alter Rebbe is invited in Tereir. The Alter Rebbe explains in Tereir, that the levels of the Avais have to be emulated by every person. But other levels, for example, those things that you find in the Shvatim and not in the Avis. There are some people that would not uh, contain these levels. Just because the, the, the Shvatim had them doesn't necessarily mean that every single Yid that follows is going to uh, uh, embody these very same character traits. The Pshat Fun is, however, the meaning of this those things which were unique to certain Shvatim, and therefore they distinguish themselves from their other Shvatim by these character traits, not necessarily do they need to be passed down to every single Yid. So if Reuven was unique in a certain way, not every Yid is obligated to embody the character traits of Reuven. But those 
those overall uh, uh, character traits that all of the Shvatim embodied, Altsbanim from the Ovis as the ears of the, the, the fathers, of the forefathers, Muzin Zayzayim by Yedin these need to be embodied by every Yid. The fact that the Alter Rebbe says that not everything by the Shvatim is embodied by the Yidin that come after are the things that are unique to certain Shvatim. But the things that are equal uh, that, are, that by all of the Shvatim, this also has to be passed on to all of the Yidin. And, the, uh, and therefore something that the Shvatim said as a collective group is something that we have to learn from. Similarly in our discussion, since this argument that this is something that is mundane to us and is a disgrace to us didn't come from one individual Shevet but it came from all of them together is moving as Therefore, it's understood that this concept of this is mundane to us is something that is relevant to every single yid. And how? A yid must know that his entire being, his, his entire essence is holiness. A yid with the mundane world, with the material world, is two separate worlds. So much so that the engagement with Mundane matters is a disgrace, as Darvazayim by Yemengatz and Abkifrek, it should be totally out of the question. And this has to be something not only that he keeps inside of himself, also externally. In a manner that even the nations of the world should be able to recognize that this is a person that is not really connected to mundane matters. As we said earlier, for the Shvatim, they understood very, very simply that this argument of Chulunulanu would suffice even to make the point to a Goyfim Mitzrayim. That this is not applicable to them, this is not possible for them. Even a goy could recognize that something that is mundane is out of the question, just like something that is actually a disgrace and actually a prohibition, such as stealing. Instructs the yid six days a week you should work and do and do your work. As a yid during the days of the week should involve should involve himself with the mundane world. So what are you saying that a yid is, is separated from chulin if there's a directive from Taira to be involved in the world? Is niti kavane in them as erzol zichar raplos and sudi chulin. It does not Taira doesn't mean that a yid should lower himself down into the mundane world. Nor adir abba as erzol zimaylizayin to the dargi umatzif and chulin shenasu al taras hakedush. What the Taira wants of the yid is that rather than he go down into the mundane world, the yid should elevate the mundane world to the level of holiness. Chulin shenasu al taras hakedush is an expression when preparing uh, uh, um, uh, produce that is not becoming truma or maizas or anything like that, but nevertheless it's prepared with the same purity level so that uh, if it needs to become taris, it can. So the Rebbe is using that expression that when we engage in the, in the material world, it has to be done in a way that we elevate the mundaneness of the world to the level of holiness and purity. Which this is accomplished by the Aveda of everything that you do 
is l'shem shemaim for the sake of heaven. That you you know Hashem in everything that you do. The difference between the two is explained in Lekutasichas and other places. The basic difference is means that it's still something that is totally mundane. It is totally, uh, but the purpose of it is uh, uh, for Hashem. So, for example, you're, you're making money in order to give tzedakah. Means that in what you're doing, you're, in the actual thing that you're doing, there already is Hashem in it. For example, eating food on Shabbos, which is a mundane act of eating, but in itself is a mitzvah because it's Oynik Shabbos. Bees, as there is a Mekadish Mamish, still you go beyond these two, that not only it's Masecha and Derachecha, it's still your ways and it's still your deeds, but you make it totally holy. Zivet and Kachim Kalim, first it becomes the lower level of holiness, and then it becomes the higher level of holiness. So that's the lesson from Chalilulacha, from, from telling, uh, uh, from telling uh, the, the, this uh, messenger from Yosef that this is Chulin Hulano, that this is mundane for us, that anything that is mundane, anything that is material is not, is not part of our world and even when we engage with it, it's only for the purpose of elevating it. How does a yid do this? I mean, this seems to be a, a paradox. And the one and you're telling a yid to go into the world and work with the material world, at the same time you're saying, telling him not to be dragged down by it, but to lift it up. The fact that a yid could reach this level, as I feel, when he's involved with permission from the Torah, with material matters, he remains removed from it. So that as something that is mundane is considered something of a disgrace to him. This comes because this is how it is by the Ebesh to by Hashem. That even the divine light that is that is manifest in the world, it does not become grasped or changed by the world, and it, ha- it cannot say that something is mundane when it comes to the Ebishter. There's parts of the Ebishter, there's levels, manifestations, I should say, of godliness that are far removed from this world. We've spoken about these many times in the Sikhs, where the where or in Hasidus in general, where it's it's higher than Ratzin and it's so high that what happens in this world doesn't affect it. But then there is a manifestation of godliness that does come down into this world, creates this world. As we'll see in a moment, there's it, 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 there's consequences for the person's actions from Hashem, good for good, for good and, and, and not for the opposite. But nevertheless, it never changes the divine light that it should become mundane. It engages with this world, so to speak, but it doesn't become changed. Their meat... So before we get back to the uh, how this applies to the Yid, that because the Yid has a piece of Hashem in them, therefore they can also embody the same character trait that despite the fact that they're engaged into this, in, in this world, uh, they are also capable of remaining above it and elevating it, which is what we'll say after the brackets. The Rebbe adds in a... Uh, a, 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 a parenthetical comment. This explains the emphasis and the redundancy in Avram's claim. First it says, It would be it would be mundane for you uh, uh, to do something like this. And then the, Avram says again, uh, uh, mund- It would be mundane for you, the judge of the world. Even if you would venture to say, if it were possible to say, 
that Hashem is not the, the, the just judge of the world, even a judge that's not 100% just would still not do such a thing to kill the tzaddik with the rasha. So why did Avram have to add this? He said, already said, said this is something that is beneath you, that is unseemly. So why does he have to add the words, but, but now that we understand that there's a level of godliness that does come down into this world, and even that level is far removed from being changed or affected and becoming mundane, uh, this is exactly Avram's emphasis. As a filo in the Dargif and Hashayfet Kalaharetz, even the level of godliness that judges the world, the Dargif and Alukus, the level of godliness where the deeds of the world below do have, an, have a reach. They're judged by that level. And from that level is drawn down the idea of reward and punishment. So obviously there is, that level is aware of what's going on in this world and the mundaneness of this world and even the bad that goes on in this world. Even at that level, the mundaneness of it is not applicable. And therefore, Avram says, now that even even the level of godliness that goes down into this world to give life to this world and to judge this world, it would still be chulin for you. It would still be uh, 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 unseemly. It would still be mundane to you to uh, be able to do such a thing. Because, um, because even the, the, the level of godliness that goes down into the world is also far removed from the world itself. Undiriba now going back to the Yid, who is in the world, but is trying to stay above the world. Therefore, because by the Abishta it's like that, that even the level of godliness that comes down into the world is removed from the chul and from the mundaneness of the world. Yes, the same thing works with the Yid, who is a piece of Hashem. As I feel of an even if he is engaged with, with, with material matters, does not become changed by it, on his, in his true essence, he remains removed from it, so much so, that the mundaneness, the materialness of it, is a disgrace, is something that is totally out of the question. And this is how, this is, this is the reason, this is how the Yid has the a strength to be able to change, to transform the, the mundane world, that it should become on the level of holiness, of, 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 ho, of holy purity. Because by, by definition, that's what a yid is. A yid in his essence is a chulin, a, 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 is not chulin, is moved, um, is removed from the chulin, is taras akodesh. And therefore, because that is who the yid is, therefore he has the ability to, to, to stick to who he truly is, and even when he goes down to do what he has to do in the world, nevertheless, it doesn't change him. On the contrary, he changes the world. Rebbe Tzivav and Zayin is going to apply this to the concept of Golos as well. And not just in the individual Yid, but the whole idea of Golos is really for the Geula, and therefore, and therefore, um, um, the, the Golos cannot affect us too deeply. This lesson that a yid is that a yid uh, that, 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 that the material world is chulin is beneath 
what a yid truly is. This is connected to the general theme of our parsha. In Velchas Retzach Vegenem Ketz Und the last Tzibus from Unmuurois Vechav in the future the Yerida Bepel from Yankov on the Mitzrayim, which discusses the very end of this era before Yaakov goes down into this into into Mitzrayim and the things, the events that caused Yaakov to have to go down to Mitzrayim. When in them Golos Mitzrayim was Reish Chalagolius and what happens um, in Golos Mitzrayim. Uh, which is the beginning, the first of all of the Goliaths. In other words, Parashas Miketz is the final, is the end of the era that led up to Yaakov going to Mitzrayim, which ultimately led to Golas Mitzrayim. It says, There's no what the teaching of our Rebbe's as nar unter only our bodies were given over to Golas and to servitude. To the nations, our souls were not chased into galus when in shibud malchus given and were not given over to into servitude to the nations. So already before we even start, we have to understand that w- the fact that a yid is in galus is only the goof of the yid is in galus. The neshama is not in galus. Can galus have an ashlita if a yidin? Nor demult when zayin goof and yonim gashmim zayin mitvis makim. So therefore, galus can only control the yid if if his material matters, his material pursuits become a primary uh, a, a primary issue. Or bishas zayin vayim nitevis makim. But if his material pursuits are not important to him, it's 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 beneath him, it's unseemly to him. Because his neshama is what is shining, and the neshama has no connection to the mundaneness of the world. The gullus cannot control him. A gullus can only control a yid that gets carried away with the materialism of gullus. This will also explain why the final event that ultimately led to Yaakov and his children having to come down to Mitzrayim was the fact that, that the silver goblet was found in the possession of the Shvatim. Golos and servitude cannot control the Yid unless there is some chip in the armor. If, if there's some lack in this feeling that materialism is beneath us, that is where the gullus uh, 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 seeps in through that crack and takes hold. The fact that they succumbed, the fact that they made the mistake, that they had the silver goblet in their, in their, in their possession, even though it was without their knowledge, but the fact that it was there is a bavayz of a givisa chisodin in the hergish ashlibe from chulin. This represented some lack in their in their re, re, uh, realizing, in their recognizing, in their feeling that materialism is 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 out of the question, and therefore it it, it led to agalus. As we know, the Alter Rebbe brings in the Geras Hakodesh that on the Neshama level, a Yid cannot even transgress something inadvertently. It's only on the Guf level. Similarly, only once there was this issue that they had a, a stolen goblet in their possession, that was the chip in the armor that allowed 
the, the, the galus to push through and actually happen. Because when a yid is on a level where chulin, where materialism and mundaneness is out of the question entirely, you won't even find it by them, even uh, inadvertently, then the galus can't do anything, it can't happen. And in Siv Zion, the Rebbe takes it even a step further. Not only is a Yid in Gullus not controlled by the Gullus, unless he allows himself to fall into the materialism of, uh, uh, of Gullus, Gullus itself is not really Gullus, if you're able to see that the, the, the ultimate goal of Gullus is Gullah. Just like we said about a yid, the whole concept of galus is only on an external level, but on a deeper level, on the, on the neshama level, a yid is always in a state of chedus, in a state of freedom and geula. The same thing can be applied to galus itself. The whole purpose of why the Abishter sent a yid into galus is for the elevation, the ascent, and the redemption that follows. The whole thing is only on an external level. On a deeper level, on a true level, the whole Gullus is actually a Gula. Just to explain this concept of Chesenius and Pneumius, in Chesenius it explains there's a Chesenius Ratzin and there's a Pneumius Ratzin. Pneumius Ratzin is what the person ultimately wants to do. The goal of the person, the person, let's say, wants to have a nice house. So the Pneumius Ratzin is to have a place to live. The fact that you have to hire workers and the fact that you have to choose tiles and the fact that you have to build is also, you, you want to do it, but it's it's Yisratzen. It's an external desire that, it, that brings to the, to the ultimate internal desire, which is to have a house. So the, 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 the whole purpose here of Galus is Geula. The Pnimi Yisratzen is Geula. In order to do that, there had to be a, a Galus. But that's only a chitzeni saratan, that's only something external that's meant to lead up to the ultimate goal, which is the geula. So really the, the galus is only a means to an end, not an end of it itself. This explains a deeper understanding in what Chazal teaches us, that as soon as the Beis was destroyed, immediately the, 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 the Savior and the Redeemer of the Yidden was born, Immediately at the beginning of the Golos, the Gula was already born, because that is the goal, that is the reason why the Gula started, and that is the purpose of the Golos, and therefore the Gula began at the very beginning. This too requires the Aveda of a Yid. When a person is able to attain the fact that in his Avoida, he recognizes what his true essence is. The Nishama Vasachet von Zayn in Golos, the Nishama that is beyond, higher than being in Golos, is Reich Begala, the Pnimis of Gavana from the Golos. Through this, by doing so, he also reveals the true goal and purpose of the Golos. The Gilu from the Gula, he could reveal the Gula. If a Yid lives in a Gula way, in a Gula manner, this actually reveals the actual Gula that, the, that, that, that this whole uh, a world is here for the whole soul galus is here for the purpose of geula. And Sifches and on, we're going to sort of go into a new topic. The the connection is going to be the the, the primacy of the geula uh, in our lives. Uh, but we're going to learn another Rashi, and we're going to make 
this very same point by seeing this in another Rashi. This is a diktuk Rashi, so it's a little bit uh, uh, different than the Rashi's we're used to, but it is not difficult. It's been discussed many times that in Rashi you find some uh, um, uh, um, incredible ideas from all the parts of Torah, including Remes and Sod, the hints, the allusions that there are in Torah, and the esoteric parts, the secrets of the Torah. Everything can be found in Rashi. Often the Rebbe uses the term Inyanim Floim when he brings Inyanim in Halacha. Here it's going to be Inyanim of Remes. Remes and Sod. We're going to find a remez, a hint to this concept of Golos and Gula in a Rashi, the Siyum from Unzer Parsha. The Pasuk, the second to last Pasuk, the Shvatim said to Yosef, What can we say? How can we justify ourselves? How can we bring, uh, prove our, our, our justice, our righteousness? The Rashi Mefarish that the word Nitzadok is Loshen Tzedek, Loshen of righteousness. Then Rashi says like this: Any word that begins with the letter tzadik, and wants to say something in uh, in the English Chumash, it says reflexive. It's something that is is happening, like mispoel or nispoel. So first of all, uh, you, you have the shaydish word. Say, let's say the word mispoel. The Shaydish is Pa'al, Pei Ayin Lamed. To say Mis Pa'el, they add a Sof before the word Pa'al. Mis Pa'el. Or say, for example, the word would be Nohag, conducting myself. You say Mis Naheg. So you add a Sof before the word, the, the Shaydish word, which is Nohag. But if the word begins with a Tzadik, then you would add a Tess instead of a Tuf. Number Also, the test is not going to be before the word, the source word, like in Mispoil, where the Sof is before Paul, but the test is going to be in the middle of the word. So in the word Nitzadok, the word is Tzedek, that's the source word, and there's a test placed in the middle of the word to make it Belosh and Mispoil, that, that it's 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 happening. That's and then Rashi brings a number of examples where you see that is a word that starts with a tzaddik and a test is added and the test is added in the middle of the word. Then Rashi continues the shin, a word that begins with a samach or a shin when it's being said in the same context of that it's something is happening Mafred says, "Is is a iker." Here, it, they, they don't put in a tes; it puts in a tof, but the tof is also in the middle of the word, not at the beginning of the word. Before, meaning, if not not before the shaydish, it's in the middle of the shaydish. Rashi brings dugmois. Rashi brings examples. Freer from verter and sepes chamet with a samach. First, Rashi brings examples from words that begin with a samach, such as sabol and sochel. Undenach from verter and sepes chamet ashin, such as shamar and shaylil. Then Rashi brings examples of words that begin with a shin, where you see that 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 a, a tough is added in the middle of the word. When is misayim, and then the last example that Rashi brings is from the pasuk mistoylil ba'ami, and Rashi says migizras derech loisulula that the word mistoylil comes from the word solal slula, and do you see that the tough is in the middle of the word? 
uh, of Solom. So we give me that Rakhlaisullah means an un an, 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 a, a unpaved path. And the word mistoilo uh, comes from the word slula, and, and the tough is in the middle. So the Rebbe has three questions on this Rashi. Darfur Fashtain. Rashi usually first brings examples from the words that start with Samach, and then examples that start with the word from the word, examples from, from words that start with the letter Shin. So the, the example of Mistoilo, which Rashi brings at the very end of the Rashi, should have been brought. Number one, Aleph, Suzamit, Aleph, Dugmois, Fantevis, Etkalasi, Besamach, with the other examples that came from the letter Samach, Beis, Fadi, Dugmois, Etkalasi, Besin, before the Shin. In other words, when Rashi puts the, the word Mistel at the end, first of all, he's separating the, 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 the Samachs, and second of all, he's bringing a Samach after a Shin, which usually he doesn't do because Samach comes before Shin. So that's the question number one. Why does Rashi bring the, 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 the word, the example of Mistoilil at the end of the Rashi after Shin, separate from all the other Samachs? In Va'era, Rashi says, What does this word Mistoilil mean? It comes from the word Mesila. Mesila means a path. You're still stepping on my people. Like, like trotting on the path. So in Va'eda, he uses the word Mesila. Here, Rashi uses the word Slula. So why does Rashi change? Uh, here he says Slula. And there he says Mesila. Obviously, it's the same Shadish word. So the word Mistoilo doesn't change the meaning. But why is Rashi using the example word differently here from there? Gimel, If Rashi wants to translate the word Mistoilo, that it means stepping on something, trotting, then he should have said Megizras Slula, which means a trodden path. Why does Rashi add the words derech loy? Al derech v'yazakten pas v'edem gizras mesila. Besides, in Va'era, besides using the word mesila, he also only uses the word mesila. He doesn't say derech loy mesila, which obviously wouldn't make sense, but I'm saying he uses one word that tells us what mistoilil means. So why couldn't Rashi over here also use just one word? So question Bayes is why say mesila in one place and slula in another place? Question Gimel is why add the words derech loy to the word slula? Is there beer in demal derech haremes or pirshdasi? Here is the answer. The Rebbe's beer, the Rebbe's explanation. And this doesn't follow necessarily pshutish mikra, but it goes in the, in the way of remes. The difference between our parsha and parsha's veira. Parshas miketz kenal vegin rat kenal vegin dem ketz from zman hachonah from tugalos mitzrayim. Parshas miketz is the end of the preparatory period to galos mitzrayim. Da kegin in parshas veira ratzich vegin the erste makas what the rebbe started gebracht of the mitzrayim. In uh, in parshas veira we're already at a stage where the abister began to bring the makas the plagues onto the Egyptians. Has cholas hagula it's already the beginning of the redemption. 
Especially according to the opinion that Rosh Hashanah, the, the, the slavery already, be, already, already stopped. Now, if Makas Bechoyris was in Nisan, then Makas Borod, which is where it says, is in Chaydish Tevis, four months before, or Kislev, if maybe, uh, either Kislev or Tevis. So, Rosh Hashanah already, the, 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 uh, the, the slavery stopped. So you're talking about a time when the Gula began. So Miketz is right before the Golos begins. Va'era is the beginning of the Gula. Under Mitz Muvavaz and Parshas Va'era by the Mitzlas Cholos Hagula. V'zot Rashi has Mistelus Megizas Mesila. In Parshas Va'era, we're already at the beginning of the Gula. Rashi uses the term Mesila. Agama's party is mistaken by Midlevilti even though party is still stepping on them, trying to not let them go out of Mitzrayim. That's because Pare didn't get the message that the Gula be began. In truth, this comes from the root of the path. It's already a trodden, beaten, uh, a paved path to the Gula. Because the very fact that Pari is still trying to not send them is to show the power of Hashem, to spread the name of Hashem in the world, to multiply the miracles of Hashem in Mitzrayim. Here, the fact that Pari is uh, the concept of, of stepping on the people is in the manner of a, of a non-shrodden path. As that uisvidas vol given an emesagolos, it still seems to be a true golos. So this explains the answer to why Rashi in one place uses the, the, the Lashen Mesila and another place he uses the Lashen Slula and, and Derech Loisulula because Derech Haremes, Rashi is explaining that in Ve'era the path had not yet been paved to be able to recognize that this is that they were heading to the Geula. But in Pisces Ve'era we're already recognizing the Geula, we're already seeing the Mesila, that even though Pare is still fighting, but we already see the Mesila, we already see the path to the Geula, and therefore Rashi hints to, the, to, the, to these two situations by using two different words that come from the same Shadish, but, but obviously have two different connotations. We still didn't answer the first question why Rashi says Mistoidal to the end of Rashi. We will get to that in Sif Yud. But in the meantime, the Rebbe is now going to take these two, these two ideas, Derech Loisulula and Mesila, and fuse them together as one thing based on what we explained earlier in the Sicha. Since both of these uh, explanations are in the same word, they must be something that, that connects the two of them. And what is it? Here's the, here's the connection. Even the non-beaten path, the non the unpaved path, is also part of the path leading to the Gula. In the beginning, it's not yet a, tra a, a, a trodden way. Because it still seems to be a true Golos. 
Even the negativity is truly a beaten path. Golus gufa is an from the Golus itself is the road. A mesila to the gula is a path to the gula. Val because the whole purpose and goal of Mitzrayim is Yitzias Mitzrayim on Matan is to go out of Mitzrayim and to receive the Tera. And therefore, and therefore, the Derech Lois Lula is connected with Mesila. It only seems to be a Lois Lula. It only seems to be that there's no path or that the path is not paved. But in truth, it, the Lois Lula, the negativity is beaten, is, is a paved. And this is why Rashi brings this word mistoilo, which really is a word that is, comes from Vaera, where the gula already began. Rashi brings it in this parsha. Where we're still talking about the preparation to and the beginning of the Galus. Because already in the very beginning of Galus, before they even go down into Galus, we already know and already have the ultimate goal, which is the gula. This explains why Rashi tells us the word mistoilel at the end of the pirush. Because he's hinting to us something very powerful. As the upshlus, the culmination, the conclusion, and the purpose from the Mirois was very itself in the parshas of Yeshu Mikits. From all of these events that are being told to us in these parshas, their future goals Mitzrayim, which led to the Golos in Mitzrayim, He's telling us the end is Mistoilo. Everything that we're happening out, you should know by the end, it's a Mesila, it's a path to the Gula. So that's what actually puts it at the end to tell us that that is the end of the story. Right now, we're, t- we're hearing the beginning of the story, and we, c- we could be concerned what, what, what's, what's, what's going to happen in the end. Says Rashi, don't worry, the story has a happy ending. That even in the loy, there's a mesila, uh, there's a slula, even in the mistoilel, it's only for the purpose of, uh, uh, of bringing godliness to the world, the, 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 the goal of it all, and the end of it all, and the, and the, and the, and the, uh, the, the, the end of the story is the geula. from Mitzrayim. And the same thing applies to this final galus. When a yid realizes and internalizes that the whole concept of Golos is only an, an external thing. But on a deeper level, a Yid stands higher than Golos. And we already have the future in our hands. This brings out this true, this true essence from the from the from the from the concealed level to the revealed level. This brings the Geula, the ultimate Geula, may it be through with Mashiach Sedkenu, may it be the card of Mamish. So we started out with Arashi and the Taich of Khalila. And it led us to understand that, that Ayid is not Shaykh to Khulin and that Golos is really ultimately Gula. And all we have to do is reveal the fact that the essence of, of Ayid is the Nishama, that the essence of Golos is Gula. And when we do that, we actually bring the Gula in a revealed way, may it be the card of Mamish.